You're listening to Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast, dedicated to exploring the full potential of human physiology and mind with focus on ancient and modern techniques of self-development. Spend some time with Dr. Nader, who is leading the way in the science of consciousness, and begin your journey to better understanding the relationship of mind and body, consciousness and physiology right now. There is a collective consciousness in society, and this collective consciousness is contributed by the individual consciousness of every one of us. In this episode, Dr. Nader discusses what consciousness is and how we can shift it in a positive direction. Hello, it's great to be connected to everyone today about this incredible area of consideration, which is consciousness. What is consciousness is something we have asked ourselves and we have discussed this indirectly through Facebook, through the different questions that you have raised and the different comments that you have made. And it's wonderful today to be able to look into this subject. It's a joy to have everyone connected. It's my pleasure and I hope we will come out of this family discussion about consciousness with some more understanding about this amazing area of our life, which is so fundamental, yet in many ways ignored, but also science has been very much trying to investigate and to study what consciousness is and to try to understand what this reality of life is. Consciousness, let's first define in terms of what we are talking about. What is that reality? And that is because in the field of abstract aspects of life, we have definitions that can be varied and different depending on culture, on understanding, depending on the general terminology that is being used. For example, sometimes people mix the term consciousness with conscience, conscience. Conscience is a moral thing, is the sense of I am uh, morally obliged to do something, I am supposed not to do this, but supposed to do that. And what we are talking about is the value of consciousness, which is awareness, which is how we are aware, how we become aware of things. So consciousness, in, for example, in French, conscience has these two meanings. In French, there is no word for conscience, and it is used often as something that is being conscious on one side, and on the other side, a moral value, a value that is doing things correctly, doing things in accordance with the laws of behavior, the laws of our belief system or our society. And therefore, do I have a good conscience that I do things in the proper way? In French, it would be also used as consciousness, the term conscience. But in English, we have this differentiation. In other languages, there are many words for conscience or consciousness. And even consciousness itself, for example, in the old tradition of Veda and the Sanskrit terminology can be chit or can be chetana. Many, many words actually describe wakefulness and awakening. 
And even in English, if we look at wakefulness or awakening or to be awake, we have different words. We have consciousness, we have awareness, we have alertness, we have attention, and all of these have different connotations. For example, to be aware of something is to be aware of its existence. To put one's attention on something is to move one's attention from one topic, one aspect of reality to another aspect of reality. That would be attention and focus, focusing on something. So what is that consciousness? How can we understand it? Where does it come from? Normally, in, you know, looking at the evolutionary process of life, most scientists look at it in the sense of something that has evolved with the progress, with the development of the different species from having a big bang into all these different phases of the universe, then the formation of stars and planets, and then on planet Earth, the evolution of organic systems, and then, of course, life, and then reaching a human nervous system. And then the nervous system is able to compute certain things in certain ways, and therefore have consciousness. So the human nervous system has consciousness and it is often thought as some emergent quality, some quality that emerges after the complexity of life puts together a human nervous system. And therefore, this is what we can say consciousness in this case would be a phenomenon, would be something that is an expression of a complex activity, be it chemical, be it biological, be it electrical, in the nervous system. And some, you know, would feel that the complexity of the nervous system can create what we call a quantum mechanical activity, which is something in physics that takes us back to the elementary level of forces and fields, and therefore consciousness becomes a field. So this is a vision where consciousness is the outcome of evolution. And on this consciousness, whatever it is, like a screen within our nervous system, within our own reality, as if we have a screen, and on this screen is projected or are projected images. These images that are projected on the screen are our sensory perceptions, our thoughts, our feelings, our experiences. So our experiences of life, which means when we see a flower, when we see a tree, when we see a nice landscape, these are visual things, or when we hear a music or a symphony, where does this go? It goes through our senses, goes to our brain, and somehow our brain has a screen on which all of these images are projected. This screen is assumed to be the screen of consciousness, the screen of awareness. We become aware. And then this screen itself is what? <laughs> Therefore, this is the question we are asking. How come there is a screen like that? Now, before we get into that, I want to immediately say that the, this understanding of what consciousness is, is extremely limited. 
And the reason why it's limited is because human beings have assumed that as there was evolution from the Big Bang into the universe as we know it, and then the evolution of life on planet Earth, then evolved something that is very peculiar and particular to human beings because of the complexity of their nervous system. And that peculiarity is this phenomenon of consciousness. We're calling it phenomenon because it's something that came as a byproduct of the development of a physical structure, which is our nervous system. And of course, it's very complex structure, very sophisticated, very well organized, and it is able to create that screen on which are projected the images which we are saying are our sensory perception and even our feelings and our intellectual analysis. So human assume that now that we've evolved to that point, then I have consciousness. I can become aware of things. I'm not a robot in the sense of a robot that acts and interacts without being aware itself of what it is doing. Now, science in recent years, in the past 20, 30 years, has gotten interested to see how is it possible that the human nervous system can create such a thing as consciousness. And so far until today, there is nothing whatsoever that really shows the reality of how a physical structure can lead to this kind of experience. Why is that? And what is that? When we look at the human experiences, we find that we see flowers and we call them red and we experience the redness of the red. If something cold touches our body, then there are specific fibers on the skin and they get activated. And not only we compute that there is some change of temperature on our skin, but we are also aware of coldness, of that quality of coldness. If we are pinched, if somebody pinches you, of course, there is some electrical activities that goes through certain fibers, and these fibers, you know, they are specific, they have been studied, like C fibers. They get activated, and when they get activated, they cause the sensation or they transmit the sensation of pain. But pain is a very subjective, very personal experience. What is pain? Is it the electrical activity in the C fibers of the nervous system? But how can then the experiencer say, I have pain? What is pain? These different, different qualities, scientists have called them qualia or quantities of experience or qualities of experience that are not understandable in any physical way. You know, we have love, for example, what is love? We can ask what is love? There are many ways we have love. There are many procedures where we can say or situations that we can elicit that tell us, yes, this is love. Loving is caring and is taking care of somebody, is wanting to give to somebody, is uh, wanting to be with somebody. Uh, but what love itself, is it a substance? Is it, uh, what is it that's happening? In fact, love is another feeling, of course, that projects itself where? On consciousness. So feeling, intellectual analysis, 
sensory experiences, all are projected on consciousness. And we realize that without consciousness, we have none of these. So consciousness is very essential because without consciousness, we are not aware of anything. Without consciousness, we are not aware of love. We are not aware of feelings. We are not aware of hope. We are not aware of pain. We are not aware of transformations that happen in our environment. We do not analyze things. We don't have hopes. We don't have dreams. And without consciousness, we actually have nothing as an individual. Now, what is that consciousness then? In reality, consciousness is something much more profound than what has been assumed. Consciousness is a primary aspect of existence. Consciousness is the reality that is most ultimate rather than it being a phenomenon. And it is from consciousness that emerges the experience, that emerge the experience of various aspects of what we call real. What we call real is the objects that are around us. We call real our body, we call real our universe. And we call these real based on how we apprehend them, how we experience them how we see them, and how we see them depends on our consciousness. What we have found is consciousness can change. Consciousness is not one entity that is fixed and non-changing and very limited in time and space. Because we can go through different states of consciousness. We go, for example, from waking to sleeping, we can have deep sleep, we can have dream state of consciousness, and we can have altered states of consciousness. During dreaming, for example, we imagine an imaginary reality. We are not living in the physical waking state reality that we have. Our nervous system works in such a way that it makes us believe uh, something that is not in physical terms existing. Now, how sure we are that when we are awake, actually, uh, we are not in a kind of state of dream? Well, it's because our friends tell us and because commonly and collectively, we see the same things and we refer to the same things. So there is a collective awareness, a collective consciousness that assures us that we are living in a reality that at least we can accept together as being the real reality. But we have also seen that if somebody takes drugs or some kind of medications that alter the way the brain works, then reality can be transformed. Things can start looking different. They can look either more grand or they can look more depressing or they can look bizarre. And we have also seen that there are different damages to the nervous system that can cause different problems that allow or make the individual perceive things or apprehend things in completely different ways. But already the fact in dreaming that we have different realities that we are experiencing tells us that reality is actually different in different states of consciousness. 
So the world as we see it is based on our human nervous system. And now we can ask, how does the monkey see the world? How does the cat see the world? How does the tree see the world? How does an electron see the world? But there we come to wondering, are these objects also conscious objects? Do they have any kind of consciousness? And the ultimate reality as expressed in ancient knowledge, for example, in Vedantic knowledge, and as we can even theoretically conclude from a complete analysis about consciousness, ultimately we can say that yes, even an electron can have a kind of consciousness. An electron, for example, can feel the electromagnetic field. It can feel electricity and therefore it can sense something. Now, all we have to do is say that this sensing is a kind of consciousness, is a kind of awareness. The electron is aware of the electric field. If the electron wasn't sensing the electric field, mechanically, very, very basically, on a very, very rudimentary, very simple level, then it wouldn't react to it. It wouldn't, some, nothing would happen to it. Now, people can raise their hands and say, oh, this is ridiculous. What are you talking about? Does the stone feel something or experience something? Yes, the stone experiences gravity. If you get the stone and it falls, it experiences gravity. But the problem comes from people transposing their own level of consciousness towards the consciousness of a stone or an electron. And that is where it becomes completely out of this world. Because, of course, the stone doesn't have the consciousness of a sophisticated, complex human nervous system. Of course, the electron doesn't have the consciousness of the same level as a monkey or a cat. Even though a monkey and a cat will have a consciousness that is lesser than a human level of awareness, and we have, you know, studies that can show this difference. But it still nonetheless is consciousness. It still nonetheless is the awareness of an object that is around it through its specific values. So the electron, for example, might not feel that much the field of gravity, or it might feel it very little. The electron or the, the stone will obviously not have feelings of hope or love or, <laughs> or anything near that. It's a very, very rudimentary, very, very limited, very narrow level of awareness, very narrow level of consciousness. It is consciousness nonetheless. It is being aware of something nonetheless. So consciousness actually, ultimately, is the ultimate reality of all that there is. And when we look at it in a systematic, even scientific way, and we ask ourselves, how can this be possible? We are faced with the question of what is reality indeed? What is what we call the universe? What is what we call a tree, a stone? What is what we call a cat, a human being? What are they? We can say, well, they are made out of molecules, 
molecules are made out of atoms, atoms are made out of elementary particles, elementary particles are made out of fields of energy and forces, and these fields are more and more unified as science kept probing into the deep reality of things and ultimately to get to one field, which is a field of pure unification of everything, which science calls the unified field or the unified field of the laws of nature, a sense of one reality that is beyond the surface differences, but underlying all of it. And it is that reality which in its own activity, in its own vibration, comes to be the different individual aspects of what we call outer reality. So what I'm proposing to you, what uh, I'm saying to you, is something that comes from a very ancient tradition, in fact, from the Vedantic Vedic tradition. It was the perception and the reality that the Vedic teachers have given, and I learned this from Maharishi himself, and it is also being there in the modern scientific possibilities. There are philosophers who have talked about it. One of them is Parmenides, one of the most ancient Greek thinkers who has described that all of reality is actually coming out of one field. It's all one reality and it gets expressed in different, different ways. So this brings us to consciousness definition. And we come to consciousness definition as being the actual ultimate reality of existence, of everything. So there is one field of what we can call pure consciousness, pure being, and this field in a very specific way is aware of itself because it is consciousness, it must be aware, and if there is nothing but itself, it is aware of itself. It reflects on itself, and that self-reflection creates the outer phenomenon of differences, of multiplicity, because it then acknowledges that there is a knower, a known, and a process of knowing. There is an observer, and there is an observed, and a process that connects them. So even though it is one field of consciousness, but because it is consciousness, it reflects on itself, what is it conscious of, and differentiates within itself the trinity within the one unity of being, and that trinity, that three value, is that of the subject, the object, and the process that connects the subject to the object. And there, on the consciousness level, it differentiates a quality. So from oneness, comes a concept of three values, the observer, the process of observation, and the observed. is a concept because all that there is is one consciousness, yet this concept creates three values. And now when these three values reflect on each other, they create cascades and interrelationships that are very, very complex and that can be understood and defined. And I have written an article in the Journal of Mathematics and Consciousness, International Journal, that shows how mathematically we can see this cascade process from one consciousness becoming many, many aspects and then reflecting on themselves, creating the value of mind, intellect, ego, and all even the surface values of space and time 
and transformations in space and time, and leading to the manifestation of multiplicity, all the way from the most basic rudimentary level of a simple awareness of electric field or simple awareness of gravity to being self-conscious like a human being has self-consciousness or being conscious of past, present and future, being conscious of greater values of life and being able to imagine and understand these greater values. So when we say, for example, does a cat have consciousness? Does my dog has consciousness? Of course, they are consciousness. They are made of consciousness and they have consciousness. Now, do they have the same consciousness as myself? Of course not. You know, we've seen there is an analysis that studies whether animals, for example, in front of a mirror, they recognize themselves. And cats and dogs, they don't recognize themselves in a mirror. They just start playing with the other cat that seems to appear in front of them. Whereas a dolphin, a monkey, they immediately know that it is themselves in the mirror. And if they have something on their head, they immediately scratch it and look at it and examine it. So there are ways to analyze whether there is self-awareness of uh, these uh, individual entities. Now, the self-awareness, for example, is not available at certain levels of the reality of what we call our world, our you know, animal kingdom or uh, vegetable kingdom or trees or agriculture or whatever, minerals and all of that. They are much, much, much lower levels of awareness and we come to a higher and higher levels of awareness in a human being. So self-awareness, for example, the sense of self and continuity of the self throughout time is a very high level of consciousness, of awareness. And this comes because the complexity of the human actual structure, which itself is made out of fields of consciousness interacting with each other in such a complex way, allows the sense of self-awareness, allows the self uh, the sense of being conscious of oneself, of who one is, and having this continuity throughout time about consciousness. Therefore, consciousness, what is it? It is a field of pure existence, and in the most ultimate way, it's pure being that multiplies itself into infinite number of expressions that are its own self. So, as it says, I am one, I can be many. And these many values are nothing but that pure consciousness. So we are all the same, but different levels of expression. At some level, we are the same, or at some level, we are the one pure being of pure existence, which is pure consciousness. At other levels, we are very different, and different individual entities have different layers, different breadths and depths of consciousness. And therefore, we shouldn't be shocked to say that a stone has consciousness. It is consciousness. And still, it is a very limited, tiny, rudimentary aspect of awareness, of consciousness. It just maybe can feel some infrared quality of heat or the gravity of the Earth pulling it. 
And it doesn't feel it like we feel, you know, oh, I'm falling. It doesn't have that self-reflection. It's just an automatic, mechanical, most basic interaction. But all we need to understand is that we can call it some level of consciousness. So consciousness is all that there is, manifesting in infinite number of ways in our universe and any other possible universe. And we as human beings, we have the ability to dive deep into our own consciousness because our human physiology has a structure that is able to fathom the deepest levels of awareness. And that is why maybe all these great teachers of religions and belief systems have declared that humans were made in the image of God or that everyone is cosmic. As in the Veda, it says, Aham Brahmasmi, I am totality, I am wholeness. And as in many, many religions, be it Buddhism, Islam, and Judaism, and Christianity, they give that quality to the human being. And that is because the human being actually did develop to a point where it is able to experience pure consciousness itself and be able to fathom the laws of nature and the dynamics of consciousness as they express themselves into different forces and fields and aspects of creation. Thank you for tuning into Dr. Tony Nader, the podcast. And if you're interested in learning more from Dr. Nader, please follow him on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube.